Hello and welcome. We're moving today from the New Testament to the Old Testament, from the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus to Psalm 73. If you turn to that psalm, that would be very helpful. You'll notice from its title, it is a psalm of Asaph. Now, some people think that David wrote all the psalms. He didn't. Some psalms are anonymous and some psalms are written by others. Asaph wrote 12. He wrote Psalm 73 right through to 83 and also Psalm 50. If it's the same Asaph, and it may be, probably was, he's mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, where he was one of dozens of Levites who were chosen by King David to be in charge of the music in the tabernacle. Levites were assistant priests. And he was a musician. In fact, we're told that he played bronze cymbals. So he was a noisy fellow and used to like to make plenty of noise in his praise of God. And then in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, we read that David appointed Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord, to make petition, to give thanks and to praise the Lord. Asaph was the chief. So not only was Asaph a member of this group of Levites who ministered before the Lord in sung worship and praise, he was their leader. As we would say these days, he was a worship leader in the time of David and probably through into the time of Solomon and his temple too. So Asaph was an enthusiastic worshipper of God. He was no quiet fruit player. He liked to exercise the crashing cymbals to declare the glory and the majesty of God. But Asaph had become fed up. His starting point was a good one. Look at verse one. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Remember Jesus' beatitude? God blesses those who are pure in heart. Asaph was there first, knowing that God will bless those who are pure in heart. That's what he believed in his mind. But his eyes, as he looked out upon the world, told him something different. Let's read verses 2 to 16. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Pearl Asaph 
was deeply depressed by what he saw going on all around him. Let's not be too coy about this. Asa was fed up with God because God wasn't doing his job properly in running the nation. He doesn't see the pure in heart being blessed. He sees the wicked being blessed. He may be the senior worship leader in the tabernacle and the temple, but he himself is slipping. He's losing his grip. He's about to fall into the abyss. He was even envious of the arrogant and the wicked and prosperous. Why wasn't he prosperous? After all, he's following the Lord as well as he can. Do you remember Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount about two eyes which can fill you with light or darkness? Asav had decided to fix his eyes on the wicked. And what did he see? Verse 3, they are financially prosperous. Verse 4 and 5, they're healthy, they're strong, they seem to have no problems in life. Verse 6, they wear their pride like a necklace around their necks and they're violent people to others. Verse 7, they're callous and evil and they don't care about anyone but themselves. Verse 8, they sneer at ordinary people and say cruel things about them. Verse 9, they defy God with their mouths and boss everyone around. Verse 10, the ordinary people think the wicked are special and lap up what they have to say. They regard the wicked as being celebs. The ordinary people drink it all in. They're lapping it all up. And in verse 11, the wicked believe they will get away with all this wickedness. God can't see what they're up to and therefore God can't judge them for what they're up to. Verse 12, they don't have a care in the world and they go on getting richer and richer. Verse 8, in verse 13, Asem is upset because he's tried to keep a clean sheet with God. Surely I've kept my heart pure in vain. I've washed my hands in innocence in vain. What's the point? What is the point of me living a, 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 an obedient life? When all I see is this wickedness around me and it's the wicked who are prospering, not me. Every morning when he wakes up, verse 14, he's full of negative thoughts. What's the point of being good? What's the point of avoiding sin? What's the point of obeying Yahweh? I'm not benefiting from this in any way. And then in verse 15, he says, if he'd given voice to these thoughts, he would have let all God's children down. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. So Asaph had buttoned his lip. He had bitten his tongue. He decided to bottle it all up and keep it inside and not give outward complaint and expression to these miserable feelings that he was having about God and his faith. In verse 16, he just can't understand it all. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. All this negativity made him feel worse and worse. His theology told him that the righteous should prosper and the wicked should suffer. If God was doing his job properly, things would be the other way around. Instead of the wicked prospering, they will be suffering. Instead of the righteous suffering, they will be prospering. But the world is topsy-turvy. And so his faith is slipping. He's falling into an abyss of unbelief. 
He's confused. He doesn't know what to believe anymore. Walking with God seemed pointless. Following God seemed to be counterproductive. It's those who don't follow God who do well. Look, look at it in our own day. Why was Jimmy Savile such a popular celebrity? Why was Jimmy Savile so rich and prosperous? How come? How come the wicked prospered? During the COVID pandemic, how is it that it is the ultra-rich who have become even richer and it's the poorest people who suffered the most? I saw a headline this week and it said, Billionaire Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel is one of the founders of PayPal. Billionaire Peter Thiel amasses $5 billion tax-free nest egg in his retirement account. And Peter Thiel is a vocal opponent of higher taxes, would you believe? It's the wicked, or those who are greedy and self-centred who seem to flourish and prosper. And it's the righteous who seem to be impoverished and who suffer. Asaph is well and truly fed up. He's decided that walking with God is pointless. He's decided that keeping his heart pure is without gain. He's fed up waking up with negative thoughts every morning. He's fed up with bottling up his feelings and keeping his mouth shut. In verse 21, Asav is depressed and has a bitter spirit. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless, senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. In other words, in my depression and in my misery, I, I had stupid thoughts about God, as stupid as those of an animal. Asaph is well fed up. What saved Asaph from all this despair? Let's read verses 16 to 20. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. Asaph, who had been fed up, went to the tabernacle, or if later in his life he went to the temple, and he looked up. He went to the sanctuary to worship. And the good news is that when he went there, Asaph's feet did not slip, and his foothold was not lost. Now, our church buildings, and I think most of my listeners are non-conformist Christians, most of our buildings are plain, they're unadorned, they're unglamorous, they're not particularly beautiful. But the tabernacle and the temple, they were colourful. There was purples and crimsons and blues. Those buildings were adorned with gold and silver and had altars and lampstands and, and golden furniture. They were beautiful places. In the tabernacle, you sense the glory of God. In the temple, you sense the majesty and the sovereignty of God. And Asaph when he went to the sanctuary to worship, was taken out of his envy and taken out of his self-centered depression 
and he realized the power and the majesty and the glory of God. And while there, he understood the final destiny of the wicked. Asaph had been looking at the short term. He should have been looking at the long term. He said, you cast, you surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. I now understand their final destiny. It was their feet, it was the wicked feet that were actually on slippery ground. It was the wicked who were going to be ruined. It was the wicked who were going to be destroyed. It was the wicked who were living fantasy lives because their wealth, their health and their celebrity would never last. The actual state of the wicked is precarious and not secure. There in the sanctuary, Asaph sees matters from God's perspective. There in the temple or the tabernacle, Asaph saw matters from God's point of view. And Asaph went from being fed up to looking up. And in looking up, Asaph cheered up. Verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, God. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Asaph had been depressed. He had been bitter. He had been speaking words like those of a brute. He was well fed up. But his negative thoughts towards God have now been turned around completely. Now he realises God is with him. His right hand is held by God. God gives him good advice in this life now, and one day God will take him to glory. Verse 25, in heaven, Asaph has God, and on earth, Asaph wants God alone. He had been envying the prosperity of the wicked, but now he realised all he wants, he's got it already because God is in his life. In verse 26, he recognises he may still have dodgy moments. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. In other words, I might be ill in my body and in my mind, but God will make me strong within. The wicked are going to perish and be destroyed. We saw that last time in the teaching of Jesus, that those who were on the broad way would be destroyed. Asaph says it here. But as for Asaph, he's going to stick close to God. When in trouble, he's going to hide in God. And having found his heart cheered up, he's going to tell everyone about it. Have you ever felt like Asaph? Do you feel like Asaph today? Have you ever experienced spiritual depression? Have you ever been fed up with your faith? 
Have you ever thought to yourself, what's the point of all this Christianity? Life is so unfair. Do you feel like giving up? Do you feel your feet are beginning to slip? Do you feel you're nearly losing your foothold as Asaph was? Then look up. Look to Jesus. Paul says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. He says that Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus was dreadfully treated by the wicked. He was hunted as a baby. He was bereaved as a boy. He was thought to be schizophrenic by his family. He was called a bastard. He had his reputation trashed by the authorities. He lived up to three years of his life in poverty. He was falsely accused and falsely found guilty in court. Jesus had it worse than you. But we read, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look up to Christ. Look up to Jesus. Look up to the Father. Go into the sanctuary and worship and realise how good God is and how kind God has been to you. Let me read the last verses of this psalm to you, inserting the name Jesus. I'm always with you, Jesus. Jesus, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, Jesus? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but Jesus, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near you, Jesus. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Christ is with you. Christ is holding your right hand. Christ is guiding you. Christ will take you into glory. Jesus will strengthen your heart, your flesh and your heart. Your body and your mind will not fail. Jesus will save you from yourself. So cheer up and tell everyone about him. A close of the hymn written by John Newton, not Amazing Grace this time, another hymn. Begone, unbelief, my saviour is near and for my relief will surely appear. By prayer, let me wrestle and he will perform with Christ in the vessel, I smile at the storm. If dark be my way, since he is my guard, guide, tis mine to obey, tis his to provide. Though systems be broken and creatures all fail, the word he hath spoken shall surely prevail. His love in time past forbids me to think he'll leave me at last in trouble to sink. Since all that I meet shall work for my good, the bitter is sweet, the medicine is food. Though painful at present, Twill cease before long, and then, oh, how pleasant the conqueror's song. As for me, it is good to be near Jesus. I have made the sovereign Lord Jesus my refuge. I will tell of all his deeds. Amen.